Nowadays, introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast not PS. Sold in semantic. Special dedication all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWOT semantic. Yeah, man, oh. Boom! Sold in semantic. Yeah, man, Big ups to the man, yeah. Sold in semantic. Today on Soothing Semantics, again, I'm your host, Rafi Pinsky. Make sure to subscribe, like, and share to support this podcast in the description of the video. There are two links, so give it a gander. It would be much appreciated. Today, we have a very special guest, a coach and a broker in my office from Keller Williams Elite Properties in Aventura, Florida. Lee Rosa, how's it going? It's going, my friend. Thanks for having me out. Absolutely, brother. Greatly appreciate the uh, the time, the energy, and let's have some fun. I'm down. So, uh, quick thing before we start, Lee also has a real estate team called RGT. Uh, he does this with I can't pronounce Ralph's name to save my life. Yo, dude. it is the hardest last name to spell in real estate. Goikaria. Goikaria. Yeah. Goikaria. Learn okay. how to spell that at the start was, uh, <laughs> was an experience. G O I C O U R I A. Okay. I'm actually a very good speller, but every time I see it, yeah, I just, okay. Goy Korea. Okay, cool. All right. So go on, brother. You have the floor. Yeah, no, I, I mean, look, we, uh, it's been quite a journey in real estate. Uh, you know, I think, I think the, the path is what's most important because, you know, real estate is never a straight line. It's, uh, understand that the fastest way from A to B is a straight line, but, but, you know, the way that we started, we started um, uh, back in Orlando. And uh, I, I started in 2005. He started a little bit before me. But um, we both started at the same company. And uh, that environment was, I think, where the whole story begins. Because we were all young. I think I was the oldest at 25 years old. Uh, and, uh, shout out to, to everyone that, that was, that's back in the RWO days. I think it was, uh, uh, Mo, uh, Adam Kessler, uh, Brian, we, uh, Deepin, uh, shout out to all you guys, uh, and, and Ralph. And, you know, we were in this room where we were shoulder to shoulder, literally like a boiler room type of setup shoulder to shoulder and uh it was all stand-up desks and everyone had an earpiece in and we smiled and dialed all day long and you know in the real estate market this was 2005 2006 the real estate market started to adjust in orlando rapidly and um yeah everything kind of fell apart and it was like a, a ship started sinking and everyone went their own way and uh, I was last man standing at the company and uh, interviewed uh, at where they went. And I ended up going over to Keller Williams. And uh, so that was 2007. So 2005, I started New Ralph because we were working in the same office. But we were on the same track, just going two different directions. And... 2007, he was at another company. I was at Keller Williams. 
and uh, around 2009-ish, he, uh, he came over to Keller Williams from where he left that original company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of rewinding that back, um, we formed a partnership, or I joined his team um, back in 2010. So we met in 2005. We separated two different directions, two thousand seven ish, and then he came and he came back to KW. This is all in Orlando, and I approached him um, after this long process of thinking. Uh, you know, we we say, do do you have a big why? We ask that question, like, what drives you? What motivates you? And I never really had a why until 2009 when uh, my grandfather had passed away. And uh, we were sitting Shiva down here in South Florida. And I thought to myself, man, um, I need to move back home, meaning South Florida. And at the time, I was in tremendous debt, tremendous debt. And I remembered uh, the key to a real estate business is listings. Mm-hmm. It is leads. And leads come from listings. And Ralph, at the time, uh, again, this is 2009. Real quick, though, yeah. what, what brought the debt? Why were you in such bad debt? Multiple reasons. One of them being looking for everything but the right answers. Mm-hmm. Right? You know the fastest way for me to be is a straight line. And it was, let me chase this idea. Let me chase this idea. Let me chase this idea. And it was just build, 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 build. And then eventually you just have to make a decision. Are you going to give in and do the right activities? Or are you just going to quit? Or are you just going to live in all this stress of debt? So I think the blanket or blunt answer of where and how all of this was was is because I was searching and doing everything but what I was supposed to do, mm-hmm. which is why you hear me so often say, it's a very simple business. Just stay in that straight line. Um, and I'll break all that down later as, as, as we kind of chat. You know, But going back to Ralph, myself, uh, coming together, I needed to get out of debt. And I needed to do it fast because I said by 2011, two years, two and a half years, I'm going to come back home. And you know, building a business, the business doesn't just take off. It takes some ramp up period. And so here I am in debt. And I know if I move to South Florida, I'm going to build even more debt because I got to ramp up the business in South Florida too. So I knew that I needed to really pick this thing up. And so I approached Ralph, 2009. Mm Mm-hmm. And I said, um, hey, man, I'm thinking of moving back home. And he grew up in Hialeah. I grew up in Pembroke Pines. And he said, I'm thinking of moving back home, too. I was like, look, bro, your your team right now is the Ralph Goikaria team, RGT. We get down to South Florida. Let's let's see if we could build RGT, Rosa Goikaria team. He's like, yeah, man, let's see what we could do. Let's see what we could do. Great how that worked out. You didn't have to change the name. Right, right, right. That was, part of, that was part of the pitch. Um, and so 2010, we, uh, we started working together. Um, and 2011, we closed 111 homes. Wow. Just like that. Just like that. And, 
And uh, it wasn't because we did anything different or special. Um, we went back to the fundamentals, and the fundamentals is leads, listings, leverage. And Ralph had an assistant when I joined that team. Um, I knew because he had the listings, we would have the leads. Mm -hmm. And I knew if I had the leads, I'd be able to sell enough real estate to get out of debt, have a goose egg, and make it down to South Florida. And um, when you trust the process and you have patience, everything plays out. And, uh, you know, look, we never, we never look back. Uh, between the two of us, we've closed uh, in, our, in our brand, our GT Home Experts, we've closed well over 1,700 homes uh, in, in both cities uh, from 2000. 2011 to 2014, we sold in both markets, Orlando and Miami, at the same time, following another model called expansion. And uh, that's one of the principles or, or beautiful parts of Keller Williams is everything's based off of models, which is borrowing the best thinking of those who are doing what you want to do at a higher level. And so we, we worked both those markets for a couple years, and we just said... All right, the price point is so much sexier in South Florida. Yeah, right. And uh, we had great agents up in Orlando. Uh, uh, Danielle Pensala um, was kicking butt for us. And uh, we eventually just turned that into a referral mm -hmm. uh, scenario and focused all of our energy and attention down in South Florida. That's still your main referral in that oh, yeah. area? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she trained by me, and she is a rock star. She was actually my, my uh, LO, my loan officer, when I first got in the business. Really? And she switched to real and estate? she switched to real estate. And she was like, will you teach me what, what, what you know? And I was like, I will give you every tool you can possibly think of. And her and her husband are now the Pensala Group up in uh, uh, Keller Williams in Central Florida. And it's amazing. Killing it. It's phenomenal. What brought you to Orlando in the first place? School. So I graduated, right? So I, I graduated from University of Central Florida. Um, I graduated in 01 and, uh, so I was in Orlando. Mm -hmm. Orlando is one of those cities in the state that, that has a stickiness factor to it. Like someone graduates from FSU or, uh, UF in Gainesville. You're not hanging out in Tallahassee. You're not hanging out in Gainesville, but Orlando people kind of stay afterwards. And so I stayed, um, I graduated with a criminal justice degree. And really? What were you going to do originally? Yeah, I had no idea. You think in law? No. No. So, so funny story. I, I was a uh, scholarship division one uh, distance track. track and cross country for the University of Central Florida. And I said to my counselor, hey, um, what majors are like, what could I do? Like, what's up? And, and the guidance counselor paraphrasing. It's like, well, these are the options that you have. And I was like, well, I don't want to take algebra. So now what options do I have? <laughs> and she was like, well, that means you'd have to take finite math. And I was like, okay, I'll take finite math and criminal justice. And I was like, let's do it. I was going to be a career government guy. Uh, so I worked for the Department of Homeland Security for a couple years, three years, and um, found my way into real estate. It's a crazy story how I got into real estate, man. Um, so I was in the process of buying my first house. 
And uh, my real estate agent, his name was Brian Saver, who is killing it, I believe, in Virginia. He is, he's one of the top agents at the company that, that he works for. And um, he worked at the company that, I, that Ralph and I met at. And so he uh, was my agent, and I was working 55 hours a week, making $30,000, $35,000 with overtime. And my real estate agent was... I mean, this was 04, right? Real quick to interject. Yeah. And it's such a simple concept. It's so crazy that there are people making that year, year, annual salary and you have realtors making considerably larger commissions on one transaction. Yeah. It's no, mind-boggling. It was, it was, it, well, it was hard for me to wrap my head around it because I was like, wait, how much money are you making? And he, he would share it because we were friends. And he was like this. And I was like... Yo, I got to get into real estate, man. I was like, could you teach me? And he's like, yeah, man, we got you. And so um, he introduced me to the broker of the company he was with. And I never looked back. You know, I, I, uh, I got in. I learned all the right ways of, of selling real estate, all the ways that I then avoided later, which was your question. You know, how did you build the debt that you were in? Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I went away from the fundamentals looking for all the other ways of making money in real estate. Gary first. talks about this. Gary talks about this, and I love that, because he, he ultimately talks about if you're not willing to do those things that need to be done, you might as well just fire yourself. And it's Aaron talks about this. You talk about this. You have to make the calls. <laughs> like People aren't willing to do that. Yeah. It's, it, what I learned at the start is this is a sales business. And I think that's one of the fundamental reasons that so many folks don't succeed in this business is they forget that this is a sales business. What it's, do you think they think it is? It's a service business, like uh, being a waiter or a waitress. Right. I think that is the fundamental uh, difference between someone who succeeds consistently through shifts and someone who hits home runs and makes money for a couple of years in the moment a market adjusts they're out. I think that's the difference is one treats it like a sales business and the other treats it as I'm going to be a really good realtor. I'm going to provide great service. And I almost fell into that trap. Uh, you know, my, one of my mentors said to me, Lee, you are studying, you are reading, you, you very well might be the greatest agent who never was. And that stuck with me forever because I was always a student of the game. I was always one of the first ones in the office, definitely one of the last ones. I was, I was in the office many times till 9, 10, 10, 30, 11 at night, not necessarily doing anything in my business, but working on my business, like uh, learning, studying market statistics, uh, reading what's going on uh, in the market, what trends were happening. And and at that time, 05, 06, 07, everything was changing. It was one of the most unique times in real estate because an agent could be in the business seven, eight, nine years, and yet they've never been in the, this market that was happening. Mm-hmm. And so it was a fair, fair game. And that's kind of what's, what's about to happen here. You know, agents, we've been in such a bull market since... 2009 and agents who've been in the business 10 years don't have the experience to handle the shift that's on its way. And that's the same thing that happened in 07. 
what do you think are, are some of the best ways to prepare for the shift? Back to fundamentals, read the shift by Gary Keller and Jay Papazam, uh, and double down on lead generation, double your area of, of, uh, that you, that you serve. So double the amount of people you speak to double the area that you serve and double down on service and your communication. Okay. Now, what do you mean by service? Being that you said real estate isn't a service-based business. Yeah. No, it, it is very well a service business. And yet, the reason agents fail is they get their job backwards. So You're saying they prioritize the service as opposed to the... Yeah. Oh. So, so think of it like this. You have, you have one job, and Gary talks about this in The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, that you have two jobs as a real estate agent. Job number one is to generate new business every day. Job number two is to service all the business that comes from your lead generation. But until you finish your lead generation, everything else is a distraction. And so therefore, focusing on building your business every day versus the trap of, oh, well, I have to show property at 10 in the morning, or hey, I have to look up properties for my, my client, or hey, I have to pull comps. Yes, you have to do all of that. All of that happens after you focus on your one thing, which is generate new business, and then you service all of your clients after. Extremely important. Yeah, so that's why you really have to time block. Which is a skill. Right. Uh, it's, it, and and it, it doesn't come easy time blocking. It's, no. it's a practiced skill over time um, that, that when it's internalized, when you have that skill down, well, then you get to pick and choose what's most important and what's not. What I'm noticing as a newer realtor is realtors are very quick, just like other people. They're always looking for the next best thing. So people get sucked into these YouTube ads, mm -hmm. right? They have a standard nine to five. They're making 40K or 60K a year. They're not a fan of their job, but it's a means to an end. And they get this advertisement. Are you making $40,000 a year, do you want to try something new? Well, I have this e-commerce idea for you. All you got to do is click the link in the description, blah, 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 blah. And they have a, always have another one of those. So what people do is they say, oh, wow, this guy can teach me? It's only $667 a year? Oh, I'm, that's great. I'll try that. They try it. doesn't work. They do another thing and another thing and another mm -hmm, thing. So mm -hmm. the, similarly with realtors or many people in a sales business, instead of taking accountability, they blame their company. Right, so they jump from company to company thinking that this broker will be better than the other broker without understanding a very simple concept of you are the responsible for your results. So why do you feel, what do you feel a traditional split brokerage such as Keller Williams as opposed to a company like United across from us or another company that gives 100% commission? As a new realtor, it's quite obvious as to what it brings to the table versus 100%. But even if you're a realtor who's five years into the business, why do you feel it's not, not necessarily about the split per se, mm -hmm. but what does that company with a split like ours offer yeah. differently? Why is it better? Well, when you look at why are so many of the top companies, when I say companies like an RGT, uh, brands, aligned with Keller Williams. Uh, when you look at the real trends top 500, uh, there's more Keller Williams agents than any other brokerage. And because fundamentally what Keller Williams thinks 
is we think like a top producer. We act like a trainer consultant. We focus all of our energy on customer service, on profitability, and helping agents build systems. Now, taking that aside, as a leader in Keller Williams, from the top down, we focus on one thing, profitability. And one would think that you might be more profitable if you go to a discount broker because you're not paying a commission, you're not paying a split. And then the question becomes, is it a tangible expense or an intangible expense? And how many tangible expenses do you have in your business and how many intangible experiences or uh, expenses do you have in your business? And so when you look at the MREA, the red book, which uh, we just happen to teach and yet you could take the principles of the book and go anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's a focus on a net of 40% or higher after expenses and cost of sale. And that second term cost of sale is a term that most real estate agents don't know how to calculate or choose not to calculate using the ostrich syndrome. And so by definition, a cost of sale is any cost you accrue in selling a property. So if you sell zero properties, you have zero cost of sale. And so uh, a couple very simple uh, cost of sales would be commission split. Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't owe your broker a split if you don't close the deal. Agent referrals. Mm -hmm. You don't owe the agent a referral if you don't close the deal that's a referral. And the other is when you start building a team or a business, the agents on your team. That's a cost of sale. And so when you look at just the dialogue we're having right now about how to calculate profit, that in itself is the slam dunk. That in itself is um, a piece of value to be able to look at your business from 35,000 feet, look down at it, and be able to strategically maneuver to add more profit or give yourself more time if your business is rocking and rolling. And that's a fundamental difference. I noticed definitely as a new realtor, there's, a, there's an enormous amount of training. Mm -hmm. which is so so important there's also the the culture is important i'm not a huge culture guy i'd mm -hmm. say i've never even from the time i started it wasn't so much about the culture that got me kind of the excitement of yay and all those things it was the way the company was structured that really got me that was really what i enjoyed about it the concept that you aren't just thrown a desk and okay you make money you mm -hmm. don't uh, you make money great you don't you don't um I also find that if you're doing the business that you set up to do, meaning you have a goal and you set it, and then you strive for more, obviously, in a company like Keller Williams or Element or any any familiar, well-accredited uh, uh, company, I find that the best realtors in the game in any given state are generally working for these companies and not a traditional split. Some of them maybe own their own brokerages, but generally across the board, if I can think of any South Florida agent that's mm -hmm. best in the biz, they're working for one of these companies. That's, that, that's what really gets me. They're not working for, for the 100% the brokerages. And look, it doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't make uh, an agent uh, any less being at... Um, a discount uh, or or a hundred percent company, 
it, it, it comes down to agents are looking for two things, sometimes both, but more money mm-hmm. or more time. And so an agent at a, uh, uh, a, a 100% or a, a transaction fee company, they may have the money part down, and that's okay. Awesome. Where joining a company like ours and where everything we do derives off of models. And so, so you said training, and I agree, and, and yet the training – from a fundamental level for a newer agent is Ignite, which is designed to get an agent to 12 transactions in their first year, mm-hmm. um, to 36.12.3, which is a lead generation course, to get an agent to 36 transactions in a year, to models for win with buyers and models to win with sellers, which are efficiency courses. And so as an agent... The first step I think of an agent, a newer agent is, is how do I generate leads? How do I get business going? And uh, once you know how to generate leads, I always say this, that if an agent can close 10 transactions a year, I can get them to 50 or 60. Because if you can close 10 transactions, that means you know how to sell. Mm -hmm. The only reason you're not selling for a month One a week is because you don't have systems around everything that you do. And that's that's the hockey stick. And so an agent at another company, whatever that means, uh, whether it's a traditional brokerage or or uh, one of the 100 percent companies or or own their own brokerage. Eventually, they're they're what what they're derived of is a model and what we teach are models mm-hmm. borrowing the best thinking the whole red book millionaire real estate agent book it's a model where gary and jay papazan they interviewed hundreds of agents who are netting a million dollars selling real estate took what they had in common and here's the book Here's an economic model. Here's a lead generation model. Here's a budget model for profitability. And once you've done everything you can possibly do, here's an organizational model so that you can get out of the business and still have money. Because that's what we ultimately all want. Well, in theory, Mm -hmm. right? In theory. um, That's what made the most sense to me. I was was asked at the very start uh, of of my business, my, my first broker, he said to me, you know that this red book, there's probably so many agents over at Keller Williams that never read this book, and it's written by Gary Keller, which is the founder of the company. And I had asked him, I said, well, what's the purpose of the book? I mean, I was green. I didn't know much about anything. And he said to me, well, if you look at a doctor or an attorney, when they're done being a doctor or they're done being an attorney, what's their value? And I sat there and stared at him, and I was like, I have no idea. (laughs) And he said, they're database. And I was like, well, that makes sense. And he's like, they're book of business. That's their value. And that's what the whole red book is about, the millionaire real estate agent. And that's, I think, a fundamental thing, which is why some agents are highly successful in lead generation, and some agents struggle is they do not connect the dots. 
This is a database-driven business. And as long as you have models and systems around lead generation, follow-up, and then transaction management, the world is yours. It's so interesting. Yeah, that's why when you say it's simple and not easy, it couldn't be more true. Right. It really couldn't be more true. You just have to be willing to follow these everything that you mentioned on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Stick to it. Think of it yeah. like this. If you were if you were working at a um, if you were working in a factory and you knew that at this factory your job was to build a widget. So at the end of the cycle of the factory you have a widget. Mm-hmm. And you know there's four segments to building this widget. Two hours, two hours, two hours, two hours. It takes eight hours to build a widget. Well, if you skip the first two sections of this process, would you have a widget at the end of the day? No. No. But that's simple logic, right? Absolutely. And so how, what does a successful real estate agent do? Well, they do five things every day. Practice their scripts and their dialogues so that they have efficiency in their conversations. They generate new business. They follow up on the business that wasn't ready when they spoke to him the first time. They go on appointments and they negotiate contracts. That's building a widget. And so if you're not doing those activities every day and you're trying to have a widget at the end of the day, surprise, simple, but not easy. It's so true. I mean, I mean, I, I'm sure you would agree that for any business, any business, lead generation is the most important thing, I would say. Anything. Think of any business you can, you can imagine from restaurants to law to medicine. Without clients, your business goes nowhere. So in a sales business, it's really no different. It's simply that you can't try to sugarcoat it with all of these extra marketing plans and T-shirts and caps and mailing and mail-outs. <coughs> all of those are great. Mm-hmm. But like you said earlier in the episode, everyone tries to pile those things on to avoid the things that they really need to yeah. do. At the, at the very start of my career, I was shown that this is a numbers game. You can, you can bring people into the funnel any way you'd like, but at the end of the day, if you speak to enough people, you'll go on enough appointments. Well, what does enough people mean? I don't know. We got to figure that out. Right. Well, okay. So if you speak to enough people, you'll go on enough appointments. Well, if you go on enough appointments, people will agree to work with you. Right. That makes sense, right? So how many appointments do I need to go on? I don't know. Let's figure it out. Okay, cool. So now you got agreements. Well, that means you got people in your car. You got listings. Well, if you have enough listings and you have enough people in the car, You'll sell enough properties, which means pen, go under contract. Well, if you pen enough properties, enough will sell. And if enough sell, you make enough money. Well, once you know how much money you want to make, then we just learn the ratios. We could give really uh, uh, liberal ratios so that you know what your job is to do every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my mentors back in the day would say, if you said, if you called enough people and said, blah, on the phone eventually someone's gonna go blah blah and then you can go blah 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 blah, and you can have a fun blah conversation but if you don't speak to enough people then you're gonna be like ah man i can't say blah on the phone it's that simple it's not easy 
it's funny when it comes to phone calls because I'm kind of set on phone calls here. There are some realtors that for calling, calling in and of itself is a massive challenge for them. Not only do they dislike it, but they're very, very nervous about doing it. So what do you, what advice do you have for realtors like that? I'm confidently not one of them. How do you feel they can get better at that? And here's an even tougher question. Do you feel that for a large percentage of people, they just aren't cut out for this business? Or do you feel like anyone technically could do it? So the first is you want to pay attention to the TCPA. That is the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. So anyone that's going to be using the phone, that's the first and foremost is is um, connect with your broker, understand TCPA and, and, and where you work. But at the end of the day, this is a contact sport. And if you understand uh, the lead generation, it's calling it a contact sport. Never heard that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta have conversations. You gotta be belly to belly. You gotta That's be meeting good, with yeah. people, right? So, understanding models, and, and that's why everything is simple but not easy. It's simple because you just learn the model, like brushing your teeth. Like if you gave a child a, a toothbrush and said, "Figure it out," they'd be brushing their nose, right? But if you show them, you start in the back, and then you go, and then you brush your tongue when you're done. That's a model. Real estate is full of models. And so whether it's telephone prospecting, whether it's pay-per-click, whether it's internet leads, whatever the system is, as long as you understand the fundamental model, Mm -hmm. which is people will come into your world either through active prospecting or passive marketing. It's the only two ways someone's going to get in your world, whether you got in the way of that contact or because of your marketing efforts, they came into your world. Mm-hmm. Well, then you have a lead, which is one-way communication. One way. You are attempting to build a two-way conversation. So a lead becomes a contact. Mm-hmm. And a contact is two-way conversation. Sure. Every time you have a two-way conversation, what you're doing is you're building rapport. You're strengthening that relationship. So as you're strengthening the relationship, you're having a call to action. You are proposing a way to give them an offer. What does that offer look like? Well, would you like a home evaluation or um, would you like to sell your home or would you like to take advantage of interest rates where they are today, historically low interest rates. These Mm -hmm. are called actions. Mm -hmm. So starting back over, someone comes into your funnel, one-way communication, then becomes two-way conversation, and you're building rapport and strengthening the relationship. From that moment, you are asking for the order. Well, when you close, one of three things will happen. You'll have a new client, you'll have a repeat client, or you'll get a referral. And if you get a referral, they go back up to the contact, which then go into your database, and then you are bringing value and asking for the order, where you'll either get a new client, get a repeat client, or a referral. Mm -hmm. So I think an agent doesn't succeed in this business because they don't understand that fundamental model. And they don't understand that without leads, you don't have a business. So getting that lead, I learned that you can pay for it or you can go find it. And that goes back to telephone prospecting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that if somebody has a why, 
a, a, a compelling reason to succeed, they'll understand that rejection isn't about them. It's just, it's not a no. It's a, I need to know more, K-N-O-W. Exactly. Or it's not now, but it might be later. And so that's where mindset, that's where I think a money blueprint comes in. Uh, a, a person's money blueprint, where they are psychologically with money. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I, I, I mean, I can only speak for myself. And that's one of the things that I had to work on was my mindset and my money blueprint coming from a government job of making 35000 a year to you sell a million-dollar property. It's a $30,000 one transaction. That messes with your psyche, right? It's unbelievable. Right? It's like, hey, I want to make $10,000 a month, $120,000 a year. Then you make 20000 in a month, and you're like, well, should I go to the office today? <laughs> right? I mean, I can probably take off for a couple weeks. You know what I had? Now that we're talking about this, because I love this topic, there's a good question with good question with Americans, because we live in an entrepreneurial place. We live in a capitalist society, which is... There's no better option, in my opinion. I know you Mm -hmm. agree. The question becomes for a lot of people, at what point do I stop? And the conclusion that I've made, because I've even thought about this at times, I said, at what point do you say it's enough money? I have enough success. The truth of the matter is, whether you have a certain amount of money that's enough in some form or another, you always have to look for the next thing. Not not to say that you shouldn't be satisfied and grateful. You always have to be mm-hmm. grateful for what you have. It's extremely important and have gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. You always have to strive for more in your life in any given thing or else you start to decay. If you're not moving forward, you're, you're, you're stagnating mm-hmm. or moving backward. So that's the reality of the world. You, you just have to accept that reality. So... When it comes to real estate business, as long as you have models and systems and you can create that next best thing, even if you aren't necessarily looking for more money, even if you have a guaranteed 100K a month and that's sufficient for you, Mm -hmm. there has to be some other way where you're giving back. So if you are committed to now coaching Mm -hmm. or if you're committed to a podcast, something that you aren't necessarily doing to bring you more money, but you're doing it to bring you more knowledge, to give more knowledge to others. That's, that's how I feel. Yeah, and I completely agree. I think there's one little caveat there, yeah, sure. um, which at some point you're, a goal is making money, and then at some point you turn your mind into the cash flow quadrant, which is you want to hang out in the I quadrant, which is the investor where your money works for you. And, and one of my passions uh, and, and wise, if you will, is to become a hundred percenter, which is that my passive income streams are exceeding my income or my, my budget. Right. And Your so, expenses. and so you work because you want to, not because you have to. And that's when you could turn to the podcast. That's and, my why, dude. That is my yeah. absolute why. Tell me, tell me about that. With what? The well, I mean, just the, that 100%. Like, oh, I, you oh, just oh, lit oh, up. I, I, <laughs> right? Okay, so coming from, coming from the way I grew up, everything was very do-it-yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and Aaron, I, I, I love that Aaron really articulated this very well because it spoke to me so powerfully. Um, when I was growing up, I mean, my grandmother, thank God, she provided for everything I needed, but there was never that concept of passive income. My family has no idea what that is. Mm-hmm. So everything was about if it... 
if it can be done, do it by yourself. Save money, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't want to overextend yourself. As I'm getting older, I'm understanding the idea of delegation, how important it is to give other tasks to other people so you can have the freedom to do what you need to do. And if you don't do that, you only have 24 hours in a day. So if everything is DIY, you, you're severely limited. So the more I'm, the, far, the further along I go into real estate, the further along I go into podcasting, the more I realize that so long as I'm consistent and do what needs to be done and I learn along the way, the more I'm going to contribute to that idea of the I, right, to getting to that I, that investor mm-hmm. uh, predicament where I no longer have to, I choose to, mm-hmm. right? And there's no better position to be in because you're not, I don't, I don't, I'm not using the word power to say, well, I'm, 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 all, I'm powerful, but you are in a position of power you're in, you, because money is now working for you. Um, I'll, I'll change that word. You've embraced freedom. The freedom to choose. And yes, you can look at it as that's a powerful position to be in, for sure. But one thing all humans strive for, I believe, is freedom. Is independence. Independence. Freedom. uh, To choose, to do, to be. Um, And and I think that's that's part of what, what got a lot of people during COVID, is the freedom to do whatever you wanted to do was taken away. And that's what I think mess with a lot of people is is cuz that's the fundamental key or goal I think that that all humans consciously or subconsciously strive for is freedom. And that's what drives so many people crazy because they can't they either don't have the why or they don't have the know-how or they don't have the the confidence to go and leave that that idea of comfort that they have, even though it's not a real comfort, it's a fake comfort. So doing that job that pays the bills, but just pays the bills mm-hmm. doesn't give you any freedom whatsoever, yeah. but it's like how or why or where do I, I know this isn't working for me. What do I need to do? And as you know, for some people it's, it's not even necessarily the fear of it. They would love to go into it, but they don't know how, you know what I mean? I don't know, even know if I believe that to be honest with you. I Look, think it's it, largely, it's largely the, the worry of, it's that analysis paralysis of I have to have everything prepared beforehand. Well, that's that's different personalities, and uh-huh. and yeah, everyone's in a different place. Um, you know, again, I can only speak for me. And at the start, you know, I gave all the shout outs at the start uh, mm-hmm. of of our of our podcast at the, at the beginning, and the amount of conditioning that I had to put myself through. I was coached on how to do it, mm-hmm. but to to move your money magnet to to uh your money magnetism and to raise your financial thermostat um it takes work and you you go back to the difference of companies and whatnot when the best of the best of the best we're talking agents or business owners that are selling four five six thousand homes a year can be in the same umbrella as a brand new agent and understand that you cannot outgrow the company, you go back to, well, how does an agent go as a newer agent to become a mega business owner that's selling in multiple states under the umbrella of Keller Williams? And learning how money works is a model as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think 
to succeed in breaking through the financial ceiling of a family, whatever, whatever that means. Like if you're, if, if someone's parents made $50,000, um, and you have a goal of making 500,000, this has to change first. Mm -hmm. We have to uh, understand how money works, um, how taxes work, how, uh, to, to, to plan for a rainy day and then do the fundamentals and watch it take off. Absolutely. Another thing that I take from this, because there's a lot of things that are, that are um, being packed on top, one on top of the other, is the concept of feeling that you deserve to have those things. Uh, Gary was talking about this in one of the episodes. Um, and if, for, for whoever is, uh, is really tuning into specifically to this topic, make sure to check into Think Like a CEO. It's on all the major audio platforms. Yeah. Pretty sure it's on YouTube too, but it's all audio. This is with Jay Papazan and uh, and Gary Keller, the CEO and chairman of Keller Williams. Make sure to check it out, even if you aren't in real estate. Even if you don't own your own business, you'll get tremendous value from it. I strongly, strongly recommend it. To say that is an understatement. You have to check it out. Yeah, I mean, j just to talk about that for a second, it's yeah. think like a CEO. It's not run a real estate business. It's yeah. it's the mindset and, and, and understanding and learning failing fast failing often and failing forward and embracing those stories so that you can learn from them um that that plug on that podcast is everything gary shared everything he he was very open to sharing his failures because he wants to show that he wasn't born a ceo you know he had to go through very difficult hardships yeah. he had to take he had to take a lot of hits he, he had to step down he decided to step down as ceo for a while until mm -hmm. he went back came back mm -hmm. Uh, when a lot of people see these these highly successful business owners, they automatically put them on such a higher pedestal and don't understand that those people were simply willing to do what needed to be done and were willing to sacrifice and, and, and suck. And most people don't want to. So they just live vicariously through those people. But it's like you, you can have that life or you can have your own version of that life rather. Um, and and taking, their, taking their mistakes and their failures and learning from them, you mm -hmm. can avoid doing that, a lot of the, that yourself. There are so many people that don't feel like they're deserving of 500K. If someone who's making 50K for 10 years, they're making mm -hmm. that same salary. Maybe they had, they had some bonuses. Mm -hmm. They mentally feel that their time is worth X amount of money, mm -hmm. right? So there's a guy, shout out to you, Jose Luis. This guy, Jose Luis Morales, he's, a, he's a, in Ventura, California, Ventura okay. County, California. He was uh, coached by Aaron Velo. He's doing phenomenally. And um, I, I like to listen to his uh, Instagram stories. He'll post these stories and he'll talk about his certain experiences. When you grow up like I did, you're always trying to save a buck. If you look at it as your time is worth, decide how much your time is worth. Even look at it as an hourly wage. Mm -hmm. How much do you feel you are worth an hour? If you just spent four hours of your life that you'll never get back trying to save $100, mm -hmm. was that the most efficient use of your time versus going and paying for somebody to take care of that so you can spend four hours doing something a lot more efficient and profitable? So... I used to really not think of that. A prime example is a transaction coordinator and my podcast editor. Mm -hmm. Both of them are huge. So with the TC, I've yeah. come across so many agents that don't use a TC and they've been in business for years. Mm -hmm. I was last weekend, you know, visiting my grandmother in the hospital yep. and I was on the road several times going to and from the hospital and I was still working out these real estate transactions that I'm handling. And I, I was not near a computer. 
time was of the essence. You know, we had to do an addendum to contract or an extension. If I didn't have a TC, I would have been fucked. I would have not had the time to do that. So I, all I had to do, I'm on the road, give my TC a call. Hey, uh, I need to, I need to send in that addendum. We need to revise the contract. We need to put this and this on the contract. Mm -hmm. One, two, three, boom, he handles it. Yeah. That's it. Done. Becomes priceless. It's just like there's no thought whatsoever as to whether it's a good or bad idea. It's a no-brainer. But what people say is, but that extra $400 I could put into my pocket, you are, lo- you are missing such a major component of the business. It's like it's crazy. And then with the, with the podcast editing, my podcast wouldn't exist, period. I, I, I'm almost at my 50th episode. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the 51st. Yay. Right? Yeah, man. So 51 episodes in, in less than a year, dude. I mean, yeah. 52 is a Turn year, in. so I, dude, I have never missed a week. I have every single week since I started, I had an episode. The only reason why that is, is because of my editor. Well, that's it. Leverage. Yeah. And it goes back to a real estate business. At the most fundamental level, you have leads, listings, leverage. And leverage is people, systems, tools. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, piecing that together. It's, that is exactly... When, when, I, when I shared back earlier, an agent who's crushing it, they're making the money. Well, now we're talking time, and time is leverage. Um, so if you didn't want to miss a kid's soccer game or you wanted to go on vacation and not have to um, uh, have your laptop with you, that's all leverage. And... I learned that at the very start, man. My first couple years in the business, when, when before I came over to Keller Williams, I closed over 50 transactions. Over 50 transactions, and I had a transaction coordinator for every one. Mm-hmm. So when I came over to Keller Williams, it was like, who do I pay for a transaction coordinator? Because that's if you're really good at selling, I'm sorry. If you're really good at selling, you're not good at paperwork. And if you're really good at paperwork, you're not good at selling. You're not good at selling. And so I'll, I'll, I'll stand by that. And if you are really good at paperwork and you're really good at selling, you're not a really good business person. So let's connect the dots on all that. I love this. It's the truest thing in the world. It's the truest thing. How can you do both? You're either doing one or you're doing the other. Well, you can do both, and now you're 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 spending all this time instead of being with with family, and um, you're not with your friends, or you're not you're not living uh, the the best the best life you possibly can in a real estate practice in a mm-hmm. real estate business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and another why for me. I love what you said, by the way. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Tremendous, uh, tremendous. Aha. Uh-huh. I my another very big why for me is if I'm on a vacation with my wife and kids or or either or, if my business isn't automated, obviously if I have to take a phone call here and there, that's understandable. But if I'm constantly on the phone, constantly distracted from my business, there's something missing. System. So mm-hmm. right. So if it happens in the earlier stages of my business, you know, and I don't have the funds to make it happen, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses, but you know, you have to kind of figure out where you, where you are, but you have to, that's why it's so important to have goals. It's so important to have a literal business plan. Mm -hmm. And when you do set the goals of the business plan, my goal, my why is to get to that point as soon as I can. So when I do go on that vacation, I can give my, my undivided attention to that vacation, to the people that I'm sharing it with. 
Because your business is, no matter where you are, your business is never fully, I, I personally don't feel you're truly successful until you have an automated business. Not to say that you're not, you're not going to, you can't just run off from it. Jeff Bezos is, a, I mean, a crazy example. But even with someone like that who can technically just do nothing for the rest of his life and the business would run, he's, I mean, there's no question he's, he's unbelievably involved in his business. With that said, it's automated. You know, he technically doesn't have to walk in. He doesn't have to travel to every uh, Amazon um, base or, or warehouse and worry about what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there are people much less successful than he is. Which, is. which is why we teach the first hire is always operations. First hire in a real estate business is not an agent. Mm-hmm. It's not to, to leverage sales. Um, and that's why most agents don't calculate cost of sale. Uh, because they don't understand that's the largest expense that you have. Mm-hmm. It's not salary. It's not uh, a a virtual assistant or a real uh, uh, human operations person, uh, executive assistant. It's so that we can automate the stuff that takes the most time. Mm-hmm. And so when you go on vacation, your operations can handle all of the calls that 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 you have to take. Now, if you take a call for a lead, well, that's a choice now. Do mm-hmm. I want to continue to grow my business when I'm on vacation or am I going to enjoy this week and completely shut my business off knowing operations is handling my closings, is handling uh, uh, customer service, is handling whatever is going on back home so I can be present on vacation, which is a skill. Being able to shut off is a skill. It's a practiced skill. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's amazing. I'm I'm so glad though. Like even just even uh, you know I, celebrating the small wins is so important. And and the TC man, I mean, Trevor's great. Very happy with him. Um, and I mean, I'm just I'm stoked to have that full time virtual assistant and have a buyers have a few buyers agents. Have I mean just that all is extremely it's exciting, man. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just I can't wait to have all those things put in place. To the point where, I mean, I'm working right now on the buyer's end, and there's a listing agent who doesn't, he doesn't take phone calls. Like, his wife handles phone calls. He's got an assistant handling phone calls. Mm-hmm. He's doing his thing. He's got everybody. He's got these gatekeepers handling all these things so he can go and focus. Mm-hmm. And I checked out his page. He seems like he's doing very, very well. He's his, he's based in Fort Lauderdale. But, I mean, that's a position to be in where, like, he doesn't have to deal with all these realtor phone calls. Anything is, everything is via email. And, I mean... There's a lot of time that I'm spending that he doesn't have to spend. He spent it. I'm sure he put right, it. No, he, he, put, he put his time in, and and that's why the model is leads, listings, leverage, mm-hmm. because you can run a highly profitable customer service focused business, <laughs> listing based. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's where you want to be, especially with how with how things are going. It's so important to focus on the things you mentioned on the three L's. Okay, so we covered a hell of a lot of ground, Mr. Rosa. Yeah, it was fun. I hope you enjoyed. I, I sure did. A blast. Absolutely, it was. It was also great for me because it was. Uh, it was a lot of learning and listening. A lot of. A lot of things were reassuring for me. It's always nice to hear them again. So, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this episode and got a lot of value from it. As always, make sure to subscribe, like, share, leave a comment, ask any questions you have. I'll be happy to answer them. And stay tuned every 9 a.m. Eastern on Sundays for new episodes.